great. Well, thank you guys so much for coming out. Um, I'm going to do this a little bit differently. You guys probably didn't know exactly what this was going to be on unless you saw the, the title. So the title was going to be, What is God Like? And after reading through uh, the chapter of the book that we're kind of going through with this, this 20 questions that uh, every Christian should know, after reading through the, the chapter, it just kind of didn't line up or, and really sit well with me. And so the reason being is because when talking with David, the next time that I would end up talking, I'm going to end up doing uh, the question, who is God? And so I was trying to think of the difference. I was like, okay, what's the difference between what is God like and who is God? And I just really, I, I couldn't really differentiate the two. And so when I was really thinking about it, it was like, well, they're kind of, the, to me, the same question, but what if I took a little bit different approach? Because the, the first chapter of the book is, uh, what is the Bible? Okay, and so talking about scripture and um, hopefully we can end up touching on that before we get back to when I end up talking about again of who is God because the chapter that I read was basically just a ton of scripture just like this is what the Bible says about God, you know, and we haven't even talked about the Bible yet and I understand that we are Christians here, you know, so it's a little bit different, but I was kind of looking at it from a standpoint of, okay, what if we did not have the Bible? You know, what if we did not have any scripture to where if we were having a conversation with somebody, how would we be able to relate to them and talk about God? You know, because I don't know about you guys, if you could think of instances, but I know in my own life where I just brought up any kind of verse that would just was remotely related to the subject and the person just turned off, just completely shut down because it was, it was just something about the word of God that it was just like, nope, not dealing with that and didn't want to hear it. So it's like, well, if they're going to shut down on that, is there some other way that we could approach this? And so I kind of transitioned this question of what is God like to what is God to try to get down to some other characteristics that we could uh, kind of conclude about God without necessarily jumping to Scripture. That's not to say that Scripture isn't important. Of course it is. But at least we can kind of have this uh, view of, all right, well, what is this reality that we have and how did we get to this reality? You know, can we at least cancel out some worldviews just by looking at the world around us, okay, and this, the discoveries that we've made. So that's what I kind of hope to accomplish today, and you'll see what I have under the basics is really these few things. I, I hope that I can establish um, a creator that ends up ruling out some of these worldviews, such as pantheism and atheism, and maybe it doesn't necessarily rule out deism. Um, that would take a little bit other or a, a little bit different approach, but at least these are, you know, two other really big worldviews that with talking with other people that a lot of people would end up holding to that I still think that we can end up talking about God. And so in case you guys didn't know, pantheism is the view that God is all. Okay, this is some of the religions of so the major religions would be Zen, Buddhism, uh, Hinduism, and kind of New Age. And atheism is, of course, no God at all. And that's not just necessarily kind of like a secular viewpoint or as far as a no religion viewpoint. Even um, I had to look this up and I'm probably still not going to pronounce it correctly. So it's Maha, Mahayana um, Buddhism, which was kind of the, the original Buddhism. Um, 
kind of hold, holds this belief of, of no God, even though it is a religion. Um, and then there's theism, which is God made all and does interact with creation. And so that's a little bit different than deism, with a D, deism, in which God made all but does not interact. So he's kind of just this hands-off or this uh, creator is hands-off with the world. And so theism, uh, the three major religions with that is Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. So really what I hope to get out of today is that we can at least establish uh, theism and really the, the monotheistic God is really what we're trying to get at. And so the arguments that I'm going to go through today isn't going to really distinguish between Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. That's a little bit different uh, topic, but at least we can end up removing, goodness, you know, a really large percentage of other worldviews from just going about this. So what I also hope is to establish a creator, uh, like I said, without the need to utilize scripture, because some may not trust scripture. Um, I think Kyle's going to end up covering what is the Bible. So hopefully we can end up covering that first. And then when I talk to you guys again, I'll end up utilizing a lot more scripture in what the Bible says about God and some other characteristics. And so the last thing I, I hope to establish is that really what the what the creator is not. You know, if we can end up really pointing out what God is not, you can get a much better view of what uh, he is. And so I hope to avoid false doctrine tonight. Um, and a really good quote that I, I read from Norman Geisler, uh, it just said, we humans have a fatal tendency to try to adjust the truth to fit our desires rather than adjusting our desires to fit the truth. So. That's what I really am trying to aim for today is just, okay, what, what is the truth about God? And let's end up lining our desires up with that. So the big thing that I want to jump into today is the cosmological argument. And this argument is basically the argument from the beginning of the universe, okay? And that's C-O-S-M-O-L-O-G-I-C-A-L, cosmological. All right, and it goes like this. So premise one, is everything that had a beginning had a cause. Premise two is the universe had a beginning. Therefore, the universe had a cause. Okay, it's a very simple argument, but we're going to kind of unravel this a little bit. And basically, this is gonna end up giving us certain characteristics about the creator, okay, that we wanna end up moving forward with. So the first one, everything that had a beginning had a cause. Um, this is almost undeniable. There's not many people running around saying that, no, that's not true. Um, not many people believe that things just pop into being out of nothing. Um, like a hippopotamus doesn't just suddenly appear out of nowhere. So it, it follows the law of causality, which is uh, when you really boil, boil down science to it, that's what science is. It's the search for causes. So to deny the law of causality, or somebody would be denying science itself. So um, not many people deny this. Um, some, some may ask at this point, you know, well, then who created God? Uh, that's very common as soon as you say, you know, everything that had a beginning had a cause. Somebody wants to include God in that. But that's just a misunderstanding of the premise. It's, it's not saying that everything requires a cause. It's everything that had a beginning had a cause. And so the creator would not have a beginning, okay, because he was before creation. So 
technically he would not need a beginning so there's nobody that created the beginner does that make sense so if god never since god was never created he had no beginning okay so moving on to the next premise this is kind of where a lot of times people would in the in the past i would say more so uh would deny this premise that the universe had a beginning but i think more and more evidence is just coming about that's just leading away from that that people can't hide behind that um, although some people may end up reverting back to that a little bit with kind of kind of trying to avoid it by throwing out kind of a multiverse theory um, you'll hear kind of this this rebound theory that's uh, almost like a recreation or a um, what is it called in in Hinduism with with the like the reborn the rebirth like a reincarnation of the universe that it's kind of coming and going and that we're in the the actual creation part and so they'll try to throw in some other things with this the second premise to try to avoid this but really when you look at the evidence it's there has to be a beginning of the universe and that's what I'm gonna end up going through and I don't know if you guys have read the book uh, I don't have enough faith to be an atheist by Frank Turek. Um, this is kind of his acronym and it's just really succinct and to the point. And so that's what this acronym surge is really gonna talk about. It's just gonna give evidence for the beginning of the universe. And it's, it's really important. When it, at first when I thought about it, I was like, is this argument even really that important? And to establish the beginning of the universe truly is because then you, you can't just avoid that something created this universe. You have to talk. You have to talk about it. You can't just avoid it, especially when the evidence is in our favor. Okay. So the first letter in surge is S, which stands for the second law of thermodynamics. And of course, I did not like chemistry. So the the basics here is the universe is running out of usable energy. Okay. The first law of thermodynamics says that we have just a finite amount of energy. The second law says that we are running out. Okay, and if you think about it, if the universe was eternally old and we have a finite amount of energy and we were running, we have constantly been running out. If we were running out of energy from eternity past, we would have ran out of energy by now. Okay, it's kind of like if you had a car and you filled it up with gas and you were driving your car for eternity, would you have any energy left or would you have any gas left? No, you would have ran out of gas an eternity ago because you were going from eternity. So that's kind of what, what this is saying. The second law of thermodynamics is just giving you proof that the universe could not be eternally old or we would not have any energy. The second law is also the, the law of uh, entropy, which is basically saying that we're moving from a state of uh, order to disorder. Well, if we were moving from a state of order to disorder, from eternally from an eternal past then we would be in a state of complete disorder by now but we still have order so it could not be an eternal universe eternal universe moving on to the second letter is u which is the universe's expansion um, this was kind of discovered in the 1920s by edwin hubble if you guys know the the hubble telescope um, really what he discovered is the universe is expanding and so if the universe is expanding, you can just kind of hit the rewind button on that. And if you think about it, if the universe was expanding before you hit rewind, well, that's going to end up contracting the universe. And when you end up contracting that universe down, you get to that point of singularity. 
And this is where a lot kind of it's a little bit of a hot topic to where it's like, what is that singularity? And so really what this singularity point has been defined as is mathematically and logically zero. Like it is nothing. Okay. And when I say nothing, I think Aristotle said it really well. He said, nothing is what rocks dream about. Okay, like it is nothing. Okay. But just remember that because you're going to hear sometimes people try to include their own definitions of nothing, saying that it's a quantum vacuum or dark matter or something that's like, oh, it's, it's not nothing, but it's in the realm of nothing so that it's still able to spontaneously create something. They're really trying to avoid this nothingness problem. Okay, but when, when we all, in, if you talk about from a scientific perspective and from a Christian perspective, when you talk about nothing, it is literally nothing. So it, I know it's really hard to think about because when I personally think about nothing, I think of, say, a room that's just completely black and there's just nothing there. Okay, but yet there's still a room and there's this darkness that's there. You know, so it's literally not even a room of darkness, you know, or like a, a sky of darkness that just doesn't have anything in it. It's like there is no room at all. Very hard to really comprehend and think about. But that's what we're talking about when we say nothing. That the universe, if it was expanding, and you bring it back together to a single point, that single point was nothing. Okay. The next letter in here is the R, which is the radiation afterglow. And this was discovered by Penzias and Wilson in 1965. And this is also a big deal. Like they won the Nobel Peace Prize for this. Like it's a very big discovery. And it, it's a few big words. All that it really is saying is that this is the smoke of the gun. Okay, if the Big Bang explosion was what ended up resulting in the expansion of the universe, and that was actually the gunshot, the radiation afterglow is the smoke that you end up seeing from after you fire a gun. Uh, hopefully everybody, well, not hopefully everybody's fired a gun, but if you have fired a gun, you usually end up seeing some smoke arise from it. And really that smoke is, is light and heat, okay? And really what they discovered is they ended up seeing the exact, that's your blank there, the exact pattern of wavelengths and heat from the initial exposure, uh, the initial explosion, okay, that you would end up seeing if we actually had the Big Bang occur, okay? The Big Bang is not evidence against God, it's actually evidence for God. It's saying that there was a creation event. So moving on to the G in Surge, it's the great galaxy seeds, okay? So we had this explosion, we had this Big Bang, and we have the expansion Okay, and with that, remember it ended up also having light and heat coming out of it. So what you should end up seeing if you end up having this kind of explosion is ripples or differences in temperature. Okay, and that differences in temperature, these ripples, are actually what end up helping to congregate or gather matter together to end up forming what uh, the astronomers, it was George Smoot, ended up calling seeds, okay? This is what allowed galaxies to form, okay? If we didn't have these ripples, you would have expansion without having anything ever, without having anything ever come together. You would just have things just flying out. Nothing would ever actually congregate, okay? But was, what was really cool is you can even go online and you can see they ended up building this huge uh, 
it was like $200 million satellite that ended up going up. It was called COBE. It stood for Cosmic Background Explorer, and it took pictures of these ripples. Okay, they're actually infrared ripples. So you can go online to, I can't remember the exact website, I think it's on NASA, and actually look at the pictures of these ripples. And so this is even kind of even more so important. Here's what a few of, uh, just a few people said. So the George Smoot, the astronomer, very uh, prestigious astronomer said, if you're religious, he's also not a Christian, so just keep that in mind. If you're religious, it's like looking at God, these ripples, okay? And that they were the fingerprints of God. So a non-religious person saying that these ripples are that important. Uh, Stephen Hawking even called these findings the most important discovery of the century, if not all time. So these are two really big people saying some amazing things that are just giving more evidence to the creation of the universe. The E stands for Einstein's theory of general relativity. And really, all that, it, all that that boils down to is an absolute beginning of time, space, and matter. Okay, these are all, all three of these are interdependent and correlative. You cannot have one without the other. So before, when I was talking about the dark room, when I think of nothingness, you know, that, that's what it's really coming down to. You can't even have that dark room because that would be space, okay? Literally all three, space, time, and matter, came into existence at the same time, and one cannot exist without the other. That's what Einstein's theory is. So this then gets down to our conclusion. So we just gave the acronym SURGE for the evidence of the beginning of the universe. So therefore, the universe had a cause. Okay, so this was a bunch of information. What does this actually mean? All right, and Robert Jastrow, another leading astronomer, and he's also an, agno an agnostic, said this. He said, astronomers now find they have painted themselves into a corner because they have proven by their own methods that the world began abruptly in an act of creation to which you can trace the seeds of every star, every planet, every living thing in the cosmos and on earth. And they have found that all this happened as a product of forces they cannot hope to discover that there are what I or what anyone would call supernatural forces at work is now, I think, a scientifically proven fact. Which is crazy. You know, an agnostic saying that what these discoveries have done is put scientists into a corner that they have to admit there is something beyond uh, materialism that ended up causing the universe to come into existence. So the real question is then, well, so what is the summary or what can we gather from uh, all of these points? Okay, so the universe had a beginning, the universe had a cause, so what does that end up making this being? Okay, if we were to label this down. So I'm gonna skip over the discussion question real quick. We'll end up getting back to that later. So then it gets to, then what are these characteristics of God? Okay, so summarizing from the arguments, this is what we end up getting. So God is self-existent or independent, okay? Because it had, to have, it had to have existed before the beginning of the universe, okay? So it does not depend on anything or anyone else. 
This right here then rules out pantheism. If you remember, pantheism was that God is all. So if God is all and creation was not here at some point, because that's what we have shown, then that means that God did not exist, okay? Which then rules out pantheism because God is the universe, okay? In order to be the universe, you cannot be also God because you have to be outside of the universe in order to create it. A finite thing cannot create a finite... When I say a finite thing, there was no finite thing before the creation of the universe, okay? So you couldn't have had, like, the universe create the universe because that, was, that would be a finite thing create a finite thing. You would have to have an infinite or an infinite cre a creator in order to create the creation that is finite. Does that make sense? I know it's a lot of word, word kind of jargon. Sure, we'll move on. Good. Okay, so God is self-existent or independent. So God always was. He was never created nor came into being. Uh, he, or we can just say it, is completely satisfied and fulfilled with himself. He does not need us or creation. However, we do need him. This also shows us that God is timeless, okay, because God created time, so he must be timeless himself. Okay, he has no beginning or end. If time came into being, then God has to be outside of time. And his relationship to time is much different than ours when you really think about it. Uh, a day is like a thousand years to God, but at the same time, a thousand years is like a day to God. So he views the whole span of history as vividly as if it were just a brief moment, but at the same time, a brief moment as if it was just all of history, which if, if I think about it, it's like, man, that could be almost like a curse. Like if you have like just a really bad day, you're like, man, I can't wait for this day to be over. Think about it like living this out for a thousand years, like, oh man, that would stink. Or man, a thousand years is just as quick. You know, you think about your, our kids growing up, you're like, man, they just, they grew up so quick. And it's like, to God, it was like a split second as well. So it's just really interesting dynamic that he has with his relationship with time. So God is also spaceless because God created space. He must be spaceless. And this reveals how God is omnipresent, all right, that he can be present in all places at all times with his whole being, okay, because he's not limited to space. God is immaterial, so because God created material, he must be immaterial himself. So he's not made of molecules or matter. He has no parts, no size, no dimensions. And some may then ask at this point, then, well, what about Jesus? You know, wasn't he material if you're saying that God is not immaterial? And that, that should be a little bit more covered when we talk about the Trinity and really talking about who is Christ and his nature. Um, but just to kind of clarify for now, God is able to materialize. That's not necessarily logically inconsistent to say that God is immaterial yet can materialize. Okay, he already created the universe, so there was something that he ended up materializing. Um, next would be God is supremely intelligent. If you think about it, if he designed the universe with such incredible precision that we end up seeing, he's got to be kind of a smart guy. Um, we also kind of put in the label of God being omniscient, uh, that he knows all things, which would make sense if this this. Uh, being is supremely intelligent. 
And really, the, the argument from design is called the teleological argument. And that's getting into the, uh, the very fine-tuned nature that we end up seeing with the creation of the universe and it being life-permitting. Because it's one thing to create a universe, but to create a universe that is actually life-permitting is very difficult. Um, but the theological argument uh, goes like this. Every design has a designer. The universe has a highly complex design. Therefore, the universe had a designer. It's the same thing as the, the watch and the watchmaker. Okay, who created the watch? It must have been the watchmaker, or we couldn't just put a watch inside of a box or pieces of a watch inside of a box and shake it up together and think over enough time that it would end up forming a watch. Like it would need to actually have somebody put the pieces together in order for it to become a watch and not just parts. Um, and really, when, when, you look at, when you look at this argument, it's really looking at the anthropic constants that we end up seeing. And it's just a fancy term for uh, just life-permitting conditions that need to exist in order for there to be life. Um, a few of these, or just a few examples, is the oxygen level. So if the oxygen level was 25%, we would have fires just erupt spontaneously. If it was 15%, then we would suffocate. The atmospheric transparency. If there was, if it was too transparent, then we would have too much radiation, basically burn everything up. If we did not have enough uh, transparency, there wouldn't be enough energy to actually sustain life. Um, the coolest one that I think is is gravity. If the gravitational force was off by, if you go 0 0.0 and you end up going, I don't even know how to write that in scientific notation, but basically 36 zeros, okay, a very, very, very small number, and then a 1%. If it was off by 36 zeros, a 1 and a percent, that small of a decimal, either up or down, we would cease to have life at all, okay? If it was, the gravitational pull was that much greater, everything would collapse back in on itself. If it was that much stronger, then it would end up uh, expanding at too fast of a rate to end up actually congregating like I talked about before. So to me, that's, that's the most crazy number to get it that small to be off by that, that it's, it's very hard to just have randomness come into play here. So God is also then unimaginably powerful, or we may end up saying omnipotent, all-powerful. Okay, because he created this universe out of nothing. It's not like he had some Legos beforehand and ended up putting those Legos together. Like he created the Legos and then put those Legos together. Um, so one thing that's important that I talked about before about being logically consistent. So he can do all things. When we say like, well, can God do all things? It's yes, but he can do all things that are logically consistent okay, and that do not contradict his character. So somebody may end up asking, can God create a rock so big that he cannot lift it? No, he can't, okay, because that would be logically inconsistent. That'd be the same thing as saying, can God make a square circle? No, he can't, okay, so God is all-powerful, so if he ended up creating a rock, he could lift it, all right? So he cannot create a rock so big that he cannot lift it because that's just not logically consistent. All right. As well as, this is going to be covered a little bit more so in the second time I talk with you guys, but God cannot sin. Okay. That contradicts his character, contradicts his nature. 
And lastly, God is personal. So although he was complete, independent of creation, he chose to go from a state of nothingness into the space-time material universe that we have, okay? An impersonal force has no ability to make choices. It's kind of on autopilot, but God chose to go from the state of nothingness to somethingness, creating that word today. So while God can be known just by observing creation, as we've seen, he makes himself a little bit more known through scripture and through personal experience interactions. But again, that's going to be covered more so next time. So I want to get back to that first discussion question real quick before I just summarize everything up. Uh, what do you guys picture when you think of God? Or what do you think is maybe the biggest kind of misconception of, or what you think other people end up picturing when they think of God? Yeah. Awesome. So just to summarize this, um, this is what we get for having the beginning of the universe. Okay, This creator that created creation must be timeless, spaceless, immaterial, supremely intelligent, unimaginably powerful, and personal. Okay, the creation, this creation story that we really just kind of discussed really sounds a whole lot like what we read in Genesis 1. Um, and I would encourage you, like if you do end up coming across somebody who is just uh, very against the uh, scripture and the Bible, if you end up kind of coming from this perspective, you don't necessarily need to lay out all of these points unless the person really wants to. Um, but really when you get down to the conclusion of, well, if the very first Bible verse is correct, or at least lines up with what uh, the scientific evidence shows us, then should we at least consider the rest of the verses? Um, it's just pretty powerful. And so the creator, uh, this, this really rules out the atheistic and pantheistic religions, like we talked about before, which leaves us with the monotheistic religions, Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. And we kind of need to move from this natural revelation that we have uh, in the scientific evidence and seeing that more so to special revelation to determine, well, which theistic God is the true God between these. Um, I really like this other quote by Norman Geisler. He said, God has provided enough evidence in this life to convince anyone willing to believe, yet he has also left some ambiguity so as not to compel the unwilling. Okay, so that God loves us so much to leave us to our own choice. Um, when, I end up, when I end up covering next time, who is God, we're going to talk a little bit more so, kind of like I would say more of his personality. This is more so a little bit more the drier sense of characteristics of God. Next time is just a little bit more so his personality. So that's going to end up talking about um, God being knowable, uh, unchangeable, wise, truthful, good, lovely, holy, righteous, just, jealous, wrathful towards sin, free, perfect, blessed, united, beautiful, and the absolute moral standard. So he's got a lot of qualities, but a lot of good qualities. And we'll talk about that next time. That's great.